0: Welcome to day 28 of 40 days of prayer. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time today, that's okay. This is a great day to jump in because we all need God's help. And for those of you joining us online, welcome. I'm so glad you joined us. If you haven't met me, my name is Bo, and I know we need God's help today. We, we're broken our families are broken, our relationships are broken. In fact, BCF could stand for Broken Community Fellowship. Our nation is broken. The economy is broken. I mean, you just have to look at the uh, gas prices. Last week, we, as a staff, we were talking at lunch about the price of fajitas. Man, it costs about $100 to have a family barbecue these days, and that's just the meat. But you know what? That's just a symptom of a deeper problem. It seems every week there's a new story of a shooting or racial tension or violence. And the solution is not in politics. We've had both parties in the White House. The solution comes from above. Here's what God promised almost 3,000 years ago to King Solomon. God said, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. God's talking about natural disasters, the climate. And we've seen it. We've seen horrific storms and floods. God says, if I command locusts to devour the land, and He's talking about their economy, grain was their number one source of national produce, their number one national resource. God says, if I send a plague among my people, and we've seen a global pandemic, COVID-19 has killed 750,000 Americans… And even more, worldwide. God says, when these things happen, not if, when. God says, there is hope. There is hope. Here is the good news. God says, if you do these things, I will heal you. I want you to take out your notes and follow along. 2 Chronicles 7.14. For those of you watching online, your host will post some links in the chat God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land." God says He'll hear us. He'll forgive us. He'll forgive our national sins of arrogance, murder, abortion, racism, sexual perversion. And God says, I will heal. I'll heal your division. I'll heal your economy. I'll heal your diseases. God can wipe out the coronavirus. How? It starts here. It starts in the church. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. We are the church. God says, If my people who are called by my name, that's us. The Bible talks about the early Christians in the early church. It says the believers were called Christians for the first time. Circle that word, Christians. It means followers of Christ. See, we are God's people. We are called by Christ's name Christians. Did you know there are nearly 2.3 billion Christians worldwide, people who claim to follow Christ? That's about a third of the world's population. And God says, my people are the hope of the world. If my people, not Hollywood, not Washington, if my people will do these four things. I will hear, I will forgive, and I will heal. Where do you need healing today? Where do you need restoration? Maybe in your family. Maybe in your job. Maybe in your body. God says, I will forgive and heal if my people will do these four things. First, God says, if my people will humble themselves, and I have to choose to humble myself. And my good friend Chris Croy is going to come and share what he's learned about humbling himself. Please welcome Chris.
1: Good afternoon. So you want God to heal and restore your life? Then the first step is showing humility, admitting that you're not in control, that God is. All throughout the Bible, we read about God telling his people, Humble yourself and I will heal, humble yourself and I will restore. So it's important to understand that God is giving us a choice. Being humble is a choice that we make, and humility is shown through our actions. So what exactly does humility even look like? How can we train ourselves to be humble? Well, when Pastor Bo and I were preparing this message, uh, he gave me a really long list of the different ways people would show humility throughout the Bible. So I'm gonna share the ones that stood out to me the most because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that struggles with these. First, admit you're not in control. Anyone else here struggle with control? Several of us. It's normal, it's natural. We all tend to think that my life would be so much better if it went the way I wanted it. I would be so much happier if I was the one in control. That's just it. I'm not in control, God is. Now that's a really difficult thing for some of us to accept because, especially myself, because I want to be in control. I want to be my own boss but I also want God's blessings. So that means I need to be willing to do what he asks of me. And what I want and what he wants aren't always the same thing. Next, look for ways to serve others and not expect to be served. Jesus tells us in Mark 9.35, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and be the servant of all. When I first read this verse, it made me ask myself, What can I do to serve? What can I do to be the very last? Then I would remembered that just a few months prior, Pastor Henry had approached me and asked if I would like to volunteer for campus care, if I would volunteer to help clean the church on weekends. As soon as he asked me this, I immediately started making excuses. My schedule won't allow it. My work won't allow it. The truth? I didn't want to. I thought I was too good to clean. I thought cleaning was beneath me. This verse made me realize that I needed to volunteer for a ministry that would help remind me to be humble. So that first Saturday, I woke up, came to church with my wife, who had already been serving for over a year. We started cleaning. We continued to do this for a few, uh, every weekend for a few months. And a few months later, Pastor Henry approached me and pulled me to the side. He wanted to know why I was uh, volunteering to clean. (laughs) And I'll never forget, he asked me with a straight face, is the reason you volunteer to clean because cleaning is your passion? (laughs) No! I was like, nobody likes to clean. I do it because it it reminds me to stay humble and it allows me to focus, refocus my attention on God. But the best part of all this, my little girls, they're teenagers, but they're my little girls. My little girls saw what my wife and I were doing, and so they started asking if they could volunteer to help. My little girls have been serving at BCF for almost three years now. They wake up every Saturday morning. Yes, take that. They wake up every Saturday morning, and they come to church, and they do the one thing that nobody wants to do, and that's clean. That's humility. Next, confess your sins to God the moment you realize it. If you say something wrong, whether it's out of anger, pride, jealousy, lust, stop. Tell God. Confess to him. Simply say, that was wrong of me to say that, I messed up, and I'm sorry. That's humility. Now the last one stings on a personal level, because when I first read it, I didn't want to believe that it came from a place of pride. And that is to forgive quickly. You see, my wife Jessica, she's great at this one, because she tends to get a little anxious when there's any unrest within the family. Me? When you, when you insult me when I'm hurt, I make sure you know it. I make sure you know how much it bothered me and there will be no peace in the house until I feel ready to forgive. That's pride. If you don't know how to forgive quickly, you're being prideful. Holding a grudge, that's pride. Humble people forgive quickly. So teach yourself to forgive quickly. You see, Being humble isn't some great big thing that we're supposed to do. It's the little things that we do to show that we put God first. It's choosing not to get angry when things don't go my way. It's being able to show grace. It's being able to show grace to others, even when I don't believe that they need to, when I don't believe that they deserve it. It's being able to forgive when it's their fault. And it's being able to say sorry when it's yours. As we welcome Pastor Bull back on stage, I, ask, uh, I, I want you to ask yourself, where in your life do you feel you need to show humility?
0: Thanks, Chris. If we want God's healing and restoration for ourselves and our families, we have to humble ourselves. Second, God says, if my people pray, we have to ask God for help. And that's what this whole series, 40 Days of Prayer, is about, asking God for help, praying. But here's the point, don't be afraid to ask. Some of you know that I'm in grad school right now, and not to brag, but I'm a pretty good student. So this past week, when I got a 68 on one of my papers, I felt sick to my stomach, I had missed something major, I hadn't answered one of the questions, and I saw that grade and I just felt so bad. I even asked some of the other people to pray for me because I was just I was feeling awful about it. And when I shared with my wife, Gianna, she said, well, why don't you reach out to the professor? I mean, we, we all make mistakes, even teachers make mistakes. And I was thinking, well, I guess, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? So I reached out to him and I said, hey, I want to ask you about this grade. And he got back to me and he said, Oh no, I'm so sorry. Looks like the software didn't save my score that I gave you. Let me adjust it. My final score was a 93. (laughs) That's 25 points I was missing. I told my wife and she said, You make me sick. (laughs) But what if I had said, Poor me. Maybe one day as my professor looks back over his life, he'll remember this grade he gave me and think, I should have done better by Bo. (laughs) No, I would have been stuck with a lousy grade. What happened? I asked. Don't be afraid to ask. Where do you need to ask God for help? Now, God is not like us. God doesn't make mistakes. God does not forget to give you something good. But I believe there are some things you and I will not get from God unless we ask. I believe there is a storehouse, a warehouse full of good gifts God has for you and me, and He's just waiting for us to ask. Here's what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so your joy will be the fullest possible joy. Jesus said, ask. Ask with the faith of a child. My five-year-old daughter, Felicity, is not afraid to ask me for anything. She'll show up in my room in the middle of the night, and she'll, you know, her, her, has, a running, has a bloody nose, or, or something hurts, or she's scared, or she just wants a drink of water, and she knows, I will jump out of bed and help her. Why? Because I love her, and I would do that for any one of my kids. Jesus said, ask for anything. Now, I want you to circle that word, anything. Notice it says, anything, not Everything. I can ask God for anything, but that doesn't mean He'll give me everything I ask for. If my daughter asks me for candy at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to tell her, no, go back to bed, because I know sleep is what she needs the most. But God says, don't be afraid to ask. Here's the point. I don't have to wonder, should I ask God about this or not? He says, ask me about anything. Let God sort out whether or not this is good for me. Just ask. This next Friday and Saturday, we as a church are going to get together and ask. We are going to have a prayer relay on our land, 555 Dr. Hugh Emerson Road, and we're going to talk to God. We're going to ask. Now, this is seven, uh, Sorry, 12 hours from 7 p.m., to 7 a.m. overnight, you don't have to be there all 12 hours. Our goal is to have at least one person on the land walking and praying over these 12 hours. Now, if you want to, you can bring a tent, you can bring marshmallows, and we're going to have campfires. It's going to be a blast, but we are going to bathe our land in prayer. Now, me and my small group, we've already signed up. My, the ladies are going to sign up at 7 and the guys, we're going to go at 10. That way we don't have to worry about childcare. I want you to come. I want you to join us. We are going to pray. We are going to ask. God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, ask. And then he says, if my people seek my face, seek God more than a miracle. Should we ask for miracles? Yes, we have a miracle-working God. But our hope is not in the miracle. Our hope is in the miracle maker. Our hope is not in the gift. Our hope is in the giver. And God says, as you ask, I want you to seek my face. I want you to get to know me. It's all about your relationship with God. Whatever big situation you're facing, whatever problem, whatever you are asking God for, in the middle of that, God wants you to get to know Him better. Here's what the Bible says. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him. If you seek Him with all your heart and all your soul. God is looking for people who will seek Him, who will say, God, I want to know you better, who seek Him with all our hearts, all our souls. And should you pray for a miracle? Yes, pray for a miracle, but seek to know God better. We as a church are praying for a miracle. We dream of building a new worship center that can seat a thousand adults reaching over 5,000 men, women, and children every weekend. We dream of a beautiful children's ministry with playgrounds and things where our kids can play outside on beautiful days like today. We dream of a beautiful nature park where you can walk and pray and get away from the world and seek God. Now, this big dream, when it's finished, will cost about $2 million dollars. That will take a miracle. But in the middle of this process, we're getting to know God better. We're learning to trust Him to provide. And we're praying and saying, God, is there anything in us that you need to change before you can move us onto the land? God is strengthening my faith. He's leading me. I'm getting to know Him better. Our next step onto the land is to put in a third entrance. For construction, to prepare our land and build a parking lot for 142 cars so we can have events and pitch a tent and use the land God has given us. Now, this next phase will cost about $350,000. But you know what? We're not seeking funds as much as we are seeking God. We are not putting our trust in money We are putting our trust in the giver of all good gifts. And in two weeks when we have our giving day and we're praying that God will allow us to give the biggest gift we have ever given, it's just a picture. It's just an illustration. Because I want after that Sunday to be able to point to it and say, look what God did. If God can do this, He can take care of the problems in your life. If God can do this, he can heal and care for you. He says, if my people who are called by my name, that's us. If we will humble ourselves and look for ways, God, show me how to humble myself, how to serve, to forgive, to admit my failures, and pray, ask for help and seek my face. Say, God, I want to know you more than I want a miracle. And then he says, and turn from their wicked ways. Turn my attention back to God. Now, when we hear the word wicked, we think of monsters like Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, mass murderers. Or maybe a little closer to home, we think of human traffickers on the border, physical and sexual abuse. And it's easy to say, okay, God, (laughs) I promise I'm not going to murder or abuse anyone. But that's not all God is talking about here. The definition for wickedness here is simply forgetting God. Is there an area in your life where you have forgotten God? Here's what the Bible says. You have forgotten the God who saves you. You have not remembered that God is your place of safety. Where in your life do you act like God doesn't exist? Do you try to solve problems on your own as though God isn't here to help you? I've done that. Do you section off parts of your life? Like, this is my church life, and over here, this part of my life, this is mine. God, this belongs to me. You know, this is my my entertainment, the movies I watch, the games I play, the books I read. And I say, God, this isn't a big deal. I know these things don't please you, but it's not a big deal. And God says, I want every part of your life. He says, I am the God of every part of your life. Maybe you're doing something you know God says is wrong. Maybe you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you're not married. And you say, God, I'm going to worship you on Sunday, but what I do the rest of the week, that's my business. And God says, I love you so much, I want every part of your life. So what do you do? Repent. Now, I know when I say the word repent, maybe you picture someone standing on a street corner shouting, Repent! Turn or burn, sinner! Do you want to listen to someone like that? No. But repent simply means... I turn around. I turn away from what I know is wrong and I turn to what is right. Here's what the Bible says repent of your sins and turn to God. Turn away from this, turn to God. So your sins may be wiped away. It's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. He's saying, I want you to find forgiveness, I want you to find healing. He says, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Underline that times of refreshment. God says, I want to give you refreshing peace. I want to take away your guilt, your shame, your worry. I want to give you peace. How do you do that? How do we start turning back to God? Well, you start by admitting your sin. To God, to someone else. The Bible says, "Confess your sins to each other," means admit it. And pray for each other, so that you may be healed. Circle that. So that, and the implication is, if you don't, you won't. I read this week about a lady who had committed adultery. She was unfaithful to her husband. And for 20 years, she kept it a secret. And for 20 years, she carried this burden of her guilt. And it was, the worry was just etched in her face. It, it aged her. And finally, after 20 years, she met with a pastor for counseling. And she admitted for the first time ever to someone else about what she had done. And after talking for a long time and praying, the pastor advised her to tell her husband. She told her pastor, look, I'm going to trust you enough to do what I ask, but if this all falls apart, I'm blaming you. And she wasn't kidding. And the pastor immediately said, okay, Father, if I gave her dumb advice... Please forgive me and clean up my mess. The next day, the pastor saw her again, and it was like a change from night to day. Joy was written on her face, tears were in her eyes. She looked 15 years younger. And she said, Pastor, I told my husband. And he replied, He had known for 20 years. And he was just waiting for me to admit it so he could tell me how much he loved me. And she laughed and said, he forgave me 20 years ago. And I've been carrying this guilt for 20 years for no reason. Do you want to look 15 years younger? This is better than anti-aging cream. Maybe you're carrying around a load of guilt You don't have to. Now, I can't promise you'll have the same results as her. I can't promise the person you hurt will forgive you. But I can promise you this. God will forgive you. In the Bible, King David wrote this prayer to God. He said, finally, I confessed my sins to you. I admitted it. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. God will take away your guilt. God will fully forgive. Here's God's promise to you and me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. Here's the promise. God says, then I will hear from heaven. God says, I will hear your prayers. When you talk to me, I will answer you. God says, I will forgive your sin. When we admit them, God promises, I will forgive. I will take away your guilt. And God says, I will heal your land. All those problems we mentioned, abortion, murder, rape, racism, perversion. God says, I will heal it. I will heal your relationships. I will heal your body, your soul, and your mind. And God says, when God does, when God heals you, when he does, let us know. We want to rejoice with you. In your program, we have your connection card. And on the back, it has a place for you to share your prayer requests. I want you to also share your praises. Let us know how God has answered your prayers. We want to rejoice with you. We want to share your stories with others. We want to give other people hope. Now, I want us to talk to God. If you're one of God's people... You're called by his name. You're a Christian follower of Christ. God says healing starts here. So let's talk to God. Father in heaven, today, we're humbling ourselves. God, we admit we're not in control, but you are. help us to serve help us to admit when we're wrong God help us be quick to forgive I want you to ask God right now is there anyone you need to forgive is there anyone you need to ask forgiveness for Father we're praying we're asking for your help tell God where you need his help right now I am We are seeking your face. God, more than we need a miracle, we need you. We want to know you. In our pain, in our struggles, God, we want to know you more. And we are turning from our wicked ways. God, point out those things in our lives, those areas where we've forgotten you. Take a moment and listen. And as God brings these areas to mind... Tell him, Father, I'm turning from this. I'm returning to you. Father, please hear us. Please forgive us. Please, Father, heal us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And you said, ask and you will receive the fullest possible joy. Amen.